Today I want to talk about the promise. In Genesis 13, if for your record if you want to come write it, 13:14 and Genesis 15:13. God showed Abraham the land of promise. He showed Abraham the land of promise. Mm-hmm. He told Abraham all that was to take place. Mm-hmm. Abraham was in the land of promise. God told him, this land, look north. As far as your eyes can see, look around. This land, I have promised, I will give to you and your descendants. Mm-hmm. So Abraham was in the promised land. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't time to occupy. It wasn't the time to occupy. So, about the slavery of the Hebrews, God, God told them, Abraham, while he was his, he said, this is what's going to happen to, the, to your descendants. They're going to be slaves in a foreign land. But he said they would leave with great possessions. Mm-hmm. And they also would return to this land of promise. They will return to this land. Mm-hmm. But the time was not right. The land was not ready. And Abraham's seed was not ready. He was still to come. So if you listen to, the, to what I said. God is telling Abraham. Abraham is in the land of Canaan. God is showing him. Say walk the, the length and the breadth of it. And he gave him the boundaries. He said this land is for you and your descendants. But the time wasn't yet. Why? Because the Amorites, the Canaanites, all those who possessed the land. They had to prepare the land for the children of Israel. The land wasn't prepared yet. Yes, the land wasn't prepared. Because when, and I said a couple um, messages ago, he said, God said when he, was taking the, when he took the children out of Egypt and they were going through the desert, he said, I'm taking to a land. Houses you didn't build, beautiful houses, wells you didn't dig, vineyards you didn't plant. All these things were there ready. But the time, this time when he was showing Abraham, this wasn't ready. Mm-hmm. So God was preparing. And then, when he promised he made to Abraham, he said, through your seed, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Mm-hmm. At that time, Abraham didn't have Isaac. The mm-hmm. child of promise didn't come. Mm-hmm. So there was no time. So there's a timing for everything. Mm-hmm. If you see where God, Abraham is in the land of promise. But it wasn't time for them to occupy. Mm -hmm. So Abraham didn't live to see it happen. But he was there. Before it happened. And God was telling him what was going to happen. So God already knows the beginning from the end. God already knows it. Because he was there how many hundreds of years before. Telling Abraham what is going to happen. And how it was going to happen. His master plan was being unfolded in time and space. Everything from the beginning, God's master plan was being unfolded. From the creation of Adam, to the pro- Abraham, to Moses, down to Jesus. And what is unfolding now? It's God's master plan being unfolded in time and space. There are no accidents in God. None. No accidents in God. His master plan, as I said, is being unfolded. He's shifting things. He's shifting people, circumstances, moving, moving things in and out of seasons. Raising people up, moving people out of the way. 
His plan never deviating, even as he works with man whom he has given free will. God has given man free will. And even with that, his plan is never off track. Think about that. You see, God, he's eternal. Israel, the children of Israel could have easily and quickly moved into the promised land. But 40 years is nothing for God to wait, to deviate for His plan to, to continue. 40 years is nothing. For us, it matters. Mm-hmm. We would die. But 40 years is nothing. His, even though the children of Israel complained, and you'll see what God's plan was for them, He was willing to deviate 40 years so that generation would die out. It's nothing for God. Time is nothing for God. It matters for us in time and space, but for Him it's nothing. So, God said to the children of Israel, He said the children of Israel, they were going to be slaves. And this is what happened. They were slaves in Egypt for 400 years. He moved, watch how He moved Joseph from his family. How Joseph moved into Egypt. That wasn't Joseph's plan. Joseph didn't write that script for his life. And if he did, he wouldn't want to write that script for his life. Many things happen to us. We wouldn't write the script. We wouldn't write that script for our lives. But in the circumstances, what do we do in the circumstances where God allows us to be in? God allowed it. Even though, as Joseph said, you brethren, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Because Joseph being in Egypt, was a precursor to what the promise he made to Abraham, that the children of Israel will be in Egypt. Because of a Jew, because of a, a child of God, Egypt was spared. But God spared Egypt because Egypt was going to be the incubator for the children of Israel, for the nation of Israel. God spoke this 400 years or more before when he was speaking to Abraham. He's telling Abraham what's going to happen. And in with Joseph, you see how God is moving and shaping. And, and his plan is unfolding using Joseph. But the Egyptians forgot. A couple generations went by. They forgot the part that the Hebrews played in their salvation. They forgot because that was never passed on. From the pharaohs. It was never taught and passed on. So you have a new pharaoh that rose up. Started persecuting the children of Israel. As they were growing. In Egypt. So in the fullest of time. They were there for 400 years. So in the fullest of time. As God said. He's going to deliver them. He's going to take them out from Egypt. With great possessions. To a land of promise. To a land of promise. So let's go to Exodus chapter 19. <clears throat> I got some I try not to do too much reading, but it's somehow I just I don't like I like to have things in context. This is where God is revealing his general plan to Moses, his promise and his purpose. God didn't give Moses all the details, but he gave Moses enough. And this is where we're going to pick up. So this is God speaking to Moses at Mount Sinai. Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then 
You shall be a special treasure to me above all people, for all the earth is mine. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. This is what God is telling Moses to tell the people. He said, if you obey and keep my covenant, you people will be a special people to me. And you will be preferred above all other people. That's favor. That's favor. And he said, you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Did you hear that? If you obey and keep my covenant, you'll be a special people to me. You'll be have favor over everyone else. And you will be a kingdom of priests and kings to me. God. What is he saying? God is telling Moses what he's going to do. I don't even know if Moses even grasped what God was, what God was telling him. I don't know if Moses even got, could, could grasp that. But let's keep going and you'll see what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. And this is very important. A special treasure to me above all people. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. God has not changed his plan. God has not changed his plan. What he declared to Abraham and Moses is also valid for those who believe in Christ. His plan, his full plan is revealed in Christ. In Moses, Moses only had a part of it. Abraham had a part of it. But in Christ, the whole plan is revealed and made manifest. So, let's go to 1 Peter chapter 2. And let me show you something here. Verse 5, and then we will go to verse 9 and 10. Okay, are you there? Yes, I'm there. Okay. You also, he's talking to the saints. This is Peter talking to the saints. He said, you also, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. What did he say to the, to the Hebrew, to the Jews? If you obey, you keep my covenant, you shall be a special people to me above all, above all others. And you'll be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Peter is saying here, we, living stones, are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Christ Jesus. Let's go to verse 9. But you are a chosen generation, yes, yes. a royal priesthood, a holy nation. His own special people, did you hear what I just said? His whole special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Who once were not a people but are now the people of God. Who had not obtained mercy but have obtained. Who have not obtained mercy then but now have obtained mercy. What that promise to, to the Jews. Way back that promise of the Jews was also promised to us. In Christ. Through the seed of Abraham. So the, the Hebrews, the Jews back then, they had no... when. Abraham, when Moses is telling them what God says, they are clueless to what he's talking about. 
All they could identify with is being slaves. How could a slave relate to being a king? To being a priest, a royal priesthood? They are, it's, it, doesn't, it doesn't compute. It doesn't compute. That's why I'm telling you when I say thank you Jesus. It's an understanding of what Jesus accomplished on the cross for us. That we can become a royal priesthood, a holy nation. And what do we do to deserve it? Absolutely nothing. It's by grace we are saved through faith. A gift of God. Nobody can boast. We can't boast. It's a gift. And what God is doing, it's a gift. He said, if you obey and keep my covenant. And it's the same thing now. There is grace, but grace is only effective if you obey. <laughs> grace is only effective if you, if you obey. Amen. Glory to God. So I was reading this. I was, like, I was so excited. Let's go to the book of Revelation. I want to show you this again. Revelation chapter 5, verses 9. Verse 9. I want, to show, I want you to see that the, the trend of this, from the beginning to the end, this is God's plan. Revelation chapter 5 verse 9, five, I'm nine, sorry. Yes, yes, yes 5 9. Yes. Okay. okay. And they sang a new song saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain. It's talking about the lamb. And listen to this. And have redeemed us to God by your blood. Out of every tribe and tongue. And people and nation. And have made us kings and priests to our God. And we shall reign on the earth. Glory to God. We shall reign on the earth. Reign is talking about rule. Reign is talking about rule. We didn't do anything to be able to reign with Christ. Just believe and accept. And we have been made priests and kings. To God. To reign with Christ on the earth. Glory to God. To reign and rule. So you are talking about. Worshipping. We are talking about worshipping. What, what does the royal priesthood mean? Royal priesthood means we offer up spiritual sacrifices to God. Remember he said, the fruit of our lips given praise and thanksgiving. We offer up a sacrifice of praise. The fruit of our lips given praise and thanksgiving to God. We are priests. A royal priesthood. A holy nation. We are kings and priests to God. So as Peggy always say, we don't want the rocks crying out. <laughs> we are the living stones. The living stones. We are to offer up ourselves because we don't need a priest. We already have a high priest who is Jesus. And we are in that high priest. And we, in him, we can come boldly to the throne of grace and offer up ourselves to him. Our whole heart, our whole mind, everything, we can just offer it up to him freely and willingly. A sacrifice of praise. The fruit of our lips given praise. And thanksgiving for his goodness. Glory to God. Glory to God. We are so grateful, oh God. It's so grateful. The impact of what he has allowed us to do. The impact of what Jesus has allowed us to do. 
as he's taken the Jews, the Israelites, from Egypt to the land of promise. You got the in-between, which we'll talk about next week. They didn't get that. They didn't get that. Even though Moses told them that they're going to be a kingdom of priests to God and kings, they don't get that. God wanted an intimacy. And if you go back and, uh, and you read in, Ex- in um, Exodus, God wanted to come and meet the people and get close to them. But they couldn't handle it. They were afraid of him. Moses didn't have a problem. Moses went up in the cloud. Because he understood. He had a relationship with God. In all the noise. The thunder. The lightning. There's a still small voice. There's a still, and Moses was able to enter in. And commune with God face to face. And when he came down, you saw the glory of God on his face. You saw the, the Shekinah glory. You saw his, his face just light up. That's being in God's presence. But when you're a slave, you don't know. You don't know your God. You're a king. He say, I'm going to make you a nation of kings and priests. But you're acting like, still like a slave. Why? You have a slave mentality. You get what I'm saying. That's why he said here, what did the, the word of God? He said, you are a special treasure to me above all the people. We have favor. We have favor. But we acting like slaves. When Jesus said, seek first the king. I mean, I don't know if you all tired hearing me say this. But every time I read these scriptures and I see what Jesus has done. I see the wisdom and why he says seek first. If you are a special treasure to me above all people. If I have favor. How come? How come that is? Because we have an inheritance. And we're going to come and I'm going to show you that. We have an inheritance. When you in the kingdom of God is where your inheritance is. The kingdom of God is where we are kings and priests. And when we go to communion, you'll see what I'm talking about. What Jesus was talking about. The kingdom of God is where our inheritance is. But how can you go from being a slave to a land of promise? Going, you can't go to the kingdom with a slave mentality. You will never inherit the kingdom with a slave mentality. You can't walk in God's promises with a slave mentality. You're saved. But this special treasure, to be a special treasure, to have favor, it requires faith. It requires faith. Because if you obey and keep, if you obey and keep my covenant, you have to trust and have faith. Because Moses, Abraham, all these people who came before us, they didn't accomplish what they did without faith. They had to obey because God will tell them to do things that make no sense. Mm-hmm. Speak to the rock so water can come out of the rock. Mm-hmm. Lift your hands and, and part the Red Sea. If they didn't obey, yeah, yeah it shows their lack of faith. Mm-hmm. So for us to inherit the kingdom, we have to what? Obey. Have faith. Mm-hmm. The Bible said, lay hold of eternal life. Mm-hmm. That's not going to happen by just standing around and just... Nope. This is going to happen, but you have to pursue it. Amen. To lay hold of something means you have to go after it. Amen. You have to go after it. So Christ's death has made us all priests to God. We are to offer up spiritual sacrifices. 
and kings. Why? He said we will reign with him. We will reign with Christ on the earth. We're not going to reign in heaven. We're going to reign on earth. Because there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. And the kingdom of God will be set up on earth. And we will reign with Christ. Glory to God. Glory to God. Wait, I'm coming, I'm coming. Let's go to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 2. This is a little bit of reading, but I want to, you know, we're going to celebrate communion today. And when you read this, you're going to appreciate more and more what Jesus has accomplished. Ephesians chapter 2, we're going to start at verse 1. Okay. And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world. According to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. Among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh. Fulfilling desires of the flesh and of the mind. And were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. But we were doing our own thing. We did what we felt like doing, when we felt like doing it, and how we felt like doing it. There was no restraint. We did what we wanted to do when we wanted. But God, verse 4, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Verse 6, and raised us up together, made us to sit in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. He, for, he, he forgave us. Christ died and raised us up to sit in heavenly places in Christ. Who is seated at the right hand of the throne of grace. And we are seated in him in heavenly places. He, we did nothing to deserve it. Absolutely nothing. Verse 7, and in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. How God showed us compassion through Christ. Because with him, we, are, we deserve death and judgment. But in Christ, he showed us compassion and, the, and his kindness towards us. Verse 8, for by the grace you have been saved, for by grace you have been saved through faith. Not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. Not of works. Lest anyone should boast. They're saying, well, I did it. I deserve it. No. It's by grace you are saved. Through faith. And we, verse 10, are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. For good works. Which God prepared beforehand for those who should walk in them. Yes. Oh my God. That talks about his lordship. His lordship. But we won't go into that now. Verse 11. Therefore remember that you once, you once Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision by what was called the circumcision. So you had the, the children who were of the flesh of God, which is Israel. They were called the circumcision. And you have us, the Gentiles, who are called the uncircumcised. But, he says... And that, that time you were, verse 12, you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenants of promise, 
We were strangers of the covenants of promise, having no hope with and without God in the world. Verse 13. But now, in Christ, you who were once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. We were strangers. We were foreigners. But now in Christ, we were who were far off, who were strangers. We're no longer strangers. We have been brought near. So outside of Christ, you're a stranger. Outside of Christ, you are a stranger. You don't have preferential treatment. Yeah, you're not a special person, special if you're outside of Christ. Because the promise is, all, is only to the ones he made the promise to. Alright? So let's go to... Um, I'm going to go to verse ni- uh, 19. i got to go to verse 19. Skip through. Now therefore, because we have been brought near by the blood of Christ, now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens, fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. We are fellow citizens of the saints and of the household of God. Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Now listen to this. In whom Christ, the whole building being fitted together, grows into what? A holy temple in the Lord. In whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. Oh my God. So wait a minute. So this holy nation, royal priesthood, who is in Christ, from what I read here in my Bible, it says they are citizens of what? Of the kingdom. There's a kingdom of priests and kings. He's creating, that's his plan, to have a kingdom of priests and kings. The Israel he's referring to is not the physical, it's a spiritual Israel. A kingdom of priests and kings. And he said, wait a minute, in Christ, you who were once strangers and foreigners, you have been brought near. And you who have been brought near are also fellow citizens. You have been brought into this promise. Oh, glory to God. Fellow citizens with the saints and the members of the household of God. Built upon what? The foundation of the apostles and prophets. Jesus being the chief cornerstone. So this whole building being fitted together. He's using the analogy of a building. Which is really a building made up of what? Living stones. Living stones. Which are spirit beings who are in Christ. That's us. Right? In whom you are also being built together for a dwelling place of God in the spirit. This is God's promise. God wanted to be in the promised land with the children of Israel. He's their God. There was no priest going to be in between. But because they didn't want him. Right? Because they didn't want him. They had to give a king. The priest was going to be the intercessor. But in Christ there is no priest. No more priest. He is the high priest. Once and for all. Now we enter in. God always wanted a one-on-one relationship with the people. But they couldn't deal with it. But in Christ now we have that one-on-one relationship. Let's keep going. So God used the Jews to usher in a new 
covenant with man. He used the Jews. This was his plan in the beginning. Christ's death and the blood he shed broke down the wall of partition and made a way of reconciliation for man. So that we all can have access to the Father by one spirit. Jew, non-Jew, doesn't matter. We all have access to the Father. Spirit beings have access to our spiritual Father because he's, God is not a man. God is, is a spirit. So we relate to him spirit to spirit even though we're in these fleshy bodies. We don't relate him to in our flesh. We relate him in our spirit. Spirit to spirit. So God made peace. Christ made peace with God so that anyone who believes in him can come freely to God, holy and acceptable. Now listen to this. If you go to Luke, we're going to go to Luke and I'm going to show you why communion is so... It blows my mind. 22 verse 14. I wasn't going to read this, all of this, but I wanted to show, I'm going to read it to show you something. Are you there? Yes. Okay. When the hour had come, he sat down and the twelve apostles with him. Then he said to them, with fervent desire, with fervent desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I will no longer eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. What is he talking about? I will no longer eat of it. This, this bread and drink this wine. I will no longer eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. What is he talking about? He is talking about... Okay, and in another scripture you hear, see. And he is talking about in the kingdom... He's talking about all those who have been, when the age comes to an end, all those who are kings and priests, the holy nation who have been established. Then, he talk about the marriage supper of the Lamb, that is what he's referring to. He said, at the marriage supper, when it's fulfilled, at the marriage supper, that's when I will partake of this again. But he said, do this in remembrance of me. What are we supposed to remember? That he paid for our sins and we are forgiven. We didn't deserve it. But he reconciled us to God. He made us priests and king to offer up spiritual, holy spiritual sacrifices. Offering up ourselves to God. Freely. We don't do this out of burden. We don't do this because somebody put a gun to our head. We do this because we love him. And we freely give ourselves to him. And he has given us an inheritance. What is that inheritance? The inheritance is the kingdom of God. And that eternal life we have in the kingdom. As we walk this earth. What he said. He said what? We have what? We are special people. We, have, we are highly favored. Above all others. We are highly favored. So wherever we go. Whatever we do. Whatever we say. It's to manifest the glory of God. There is no imp- can't do in our, in, our, in our vocabulary. There is no cannot do in our lives. Nothing is impossible. If you are a citizen of the kingdom of God, there is nothing we cannot do. There is nothing we cannot do. We cannot accomplish. But don't get it twisted. It's not what you want to accomplish. It's what he wants to accomplish through you. Don't get it twisted. 
Because if you go and do what you want, you are on your own. But if you see, are we talking about worship? Getting in His presence. To be filled with His glory. To be filled with Him. He in us and we are in Him. We are one with Him. And we want to hear what He has to say and what He desires from us. As Lord, we come to you to worship you. To express our love to you. What do you need from us? What do you desire? We are here to commune with you. Say, your will be done on earth as it already is done in heaven. We are here on earth being transitioned to our land of promise, to a kingdom, a spiritual kingdom. But while we are transitioning, there is a purpose for each of us in the body. There is a purpose for each of us. What are we supposed to be about? Doing His will. Because the only way His will gets done in earth is by those who are here, who He has called, is doing what He called them to do. How did His plan get unfold over time? When He made to, to, to Abraham, He raised up people. And as He raised them up, they had to choose whether they are going to obey Him or not. Right? You have people like Gideon. He raised up. Gideon didn't know what, he was, what God was about. He was there threshing wheat in the wine press so that he couldn't be, so that he was hiding. And God came up to him and said, Mighty man of valor. Uh oh. I'm in for a shift. I'm in for a shift. And the same thing with Jonah. Uh oh. I ain't going to Nineveh. He tried to run, but what happened? There's no escape. So you see, you see, these people, they all were brought in time and space to accomplish something for God. We are no accidents. We are here to accomplish something for God. We may not think it's a big deal. And one thing you know, a lot of people say, well, you know, I'm getting up in age. There's not much I can do. What I can do? What do I have to contribute? Really? You think God just has you here just warming the seats and breathing air for nothing? He has something for us to accomplish. Mm-hmm. No matter what it is. It could be to just interceding for people. Praying for others. Mm-hmm. Something simple as that. Which you might think is simple. But it's a big deal. Prayers. The prayers of the righteous. Makes much power available. Mm-hmm. Dynamic in its working. Yes. I want people with faith praying for me. Mm-hmm. You know my mother-in-law prays all the time for me. And I, want, I, I love when she prays. She seeks God. She seeks God. Mm-hmm. And she, will, she seeks God and she tells me what the Lord tells her. Mm-hmm. You know, so I appreciate. And she thinks, you know, she's, well, you know, I can't. I say, no. I say, I say listen, you are a prayer warrior. Mm-hmm. That is the gifting God has given her, to mm-hmm. pray. And she has a heart, a desire to do it. Mm-hmm. She said, look, I can't do this, but I do what the Lord, I believe he's given me the strength to do. And her mind is sharp. And she would pray all day. Pray and fall asleep. Get up and pray again. <laughs> That's how she is. Yeah. You see, so we never, don't ever think that what you're doing is, not, is not, not enough for the Lord. What does the Holy Spirit call us to do? 